This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. Oh my God, I'm like a teenager. <laughs> This is Let's Go There with Shira. Ryan is out again today, but Shara Cell is back with me, yes. filling in. New week, yes. new energy. That's what I'm talking about. It's good. Good day to be today. It's it's a good day to be alive. Yes. And I let me tell you, I got my rest. I was alone. I don't care how much this country is opening up. I'm still continuing to enjoy my time alone. Oh, well, we had polar opposite weekends because okay. I was out, okay, with the capital O. And matter of fact, my friend Pierre, happy birthday, Pierre. He just celebrated his 32nd birthday. Okay. And uh, Saturday night was a 90s party in Echo Park. And then yesterday was like a pool party barbecue. Like, it was nice. Oh. But you know what? The, the party that I went to on Saturday night, I had to take a moment because it was my first time at an actual party since March 11th, wow. 2020. How did it feel? It wasn't bad. There was ventilation. Oh, and of course, there was like a cap, like an attendance okay. cap. Like it wasn't crazy, but there was ventilation. And, you know, I had to have a few vodka sodas to loosen me up. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need. But I slipped right back into the to the mood of things. So it, it was, was a great easy? party. Did you get emotional? No, I didn't get emotional. <laughs> I got emotional when I had my first like cappuccino at a, a coffee shop because okay. I've been making coffee at home. Yeah, you know, things were closed up when my cafe opened, and I got to have that cappuccino. Let me tell you, I cried while having that cappuccino. Listen, I don't blame you. It shows we take things for granted. Anyway, I'm happy to have you back. We have a lot coming up. We're going to be talking about what we learned from the latest 60 Minutes investigation about transgender healthcare at 3:35 p.m. Pacific, 6:35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, was COVID started in a lab or did it happen naturally? We break down the reports coming out in 30 minutes. Dun, dun, dun. Right? I mean, this changes everything. <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Members of George Floyd's family and others who have lost loved ones to police brutality joined activists and citizens in Minneapolis on Sunday for a march that was one of several events planned nationwide to mark the one-year anniversary of Floyd's murder. And here's lawyer Ben Crump. Something changed here in Minneapolis, May 25th, 2020, that galvanized people all across America. But not only did it galvanize people all across America, it galvanized people all across the world to say that we're better than this. We're better than this, America. We have to have a more just America. I cannot believe it's been a year. Yeah, it's crazy. 
I just still think about Amy Cooper in Central Park. That was kind of like the lead up to George Floyd, what mm-hmm. happened with George Floyd, even though they're isolated incidents. It just was such a hotbed of emotion like throughout that week. And I, like I said, I legitimately cannot believe it's been one year. Yeah, last summer. Wow. Yeah, and if you want to get involved, find out more, they actually have a memorial foundation, mm-hmm. georgefloydmemorialfoundation.org. It says, join us in the fight for justice in honor of George Floyd's legacy. And now that was what's trending this hour. We have some more coming up in the next hour, including this uh, TikTok party that went crazy this weekend. We'll tell you more about that. But first, what's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my goodness. So in case you were under a rock, Saturday Night Live wrapped up its 46th season. Um, This past Saturday, it was the season finale, and Lil Nas X performed. Yes. Anya Taylor-Joy, who's non-binary, I believe, hosted. And Lil Nas X had a little flub with his pants while he was on stage. He performed performed multiple times, but of course, he, he did his most controversial song. I think no one can challenge me on that. It's called Montero, Call Me By Your Name, or as certain people call it the Satan Shoes song. And he was yes. swinging around a pole and his pants ripped on stage on live TV. And it was not planned because some people, you know, Lil Nas X is known for his trolling. So it, it divided the Internet. Some people were like, there's no way, you know, but I firmly believe that this was it, purely yes. like a wardrobe malfunction totally. on SNL. I saw that. Actually, we have the clip on uh, our Instagram at We Are Channel Q. We shared it over the weekend. So you can check that out. Yeah. So it was it was just crazy. And so he ended up tweeting not my pants ripped on live tv you know always making a joke of things that's what i really admire about his personality and he really is the gay pop star that we all deserve like it's it's been a long time coming so i'm so happy for him so proud of him and i can't wait to see what's next yes follow him on tiktok yes He's always entertaining over there <laughs> Uh, But coming up, Andrew Yang has another viral moment. He can't seem to figure it out. He's running for mayor of New York. What went down? And we talk more about his strategy or lack thereof next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, coming up in 10 minutes, the new report that has many thinking that COVID could have started in a Wuhan lab. We have an infectious diseases expert here to break it down. Again, that's in 10 minutes. But first, let's get into uh, New York mayoral candidate Andrew Yang, who can't steer clear of awkward headlines and problematic ones. His most recent viral moment came from this interview he did with Z-Way, who's a comedian and writer based in Brooklyn and gives really great satirical commentary on race and politics. So here's a one moment from that. Okay, what's your favorite subway station? It's my stop, so Times Square. Uh, I've been in Your favorite subway there. station is Times Square? It's big, it's cavernous. There are entertainers there, sure. Like, what's not to like? Okay, what's your favorite song? <laughs> so, so yeah. if you watch the series, she does put you on the spot. Yeah, it started from last year. That's what I first kind of saw this <laughs> developing was she was doing Instagram lives and embarrassing a lot of people who thought that they were just, a lot of people who br- build themselves as like progressive and liberal and just so quote unquote woke were getting, you know, their, their butts handed to them by Z-Way. What I thought was funny is a lot of native New Yorkers were commenting, commenting saying that to say that Times Square is your favorite subway stop would be the equivalent of saying that Sabaro is your favorite pizza. In New York. You know, the mall spot. Yes. Yes. No, he's been called out because a lot of people also said, like, he doesn't live in the city. 
So, like, mm. how much of a New Yorker is he really? Yeah. He's been dragged around this mayoral run, which is interesting because he, you know, running for president, you would think, like, that is the biggest spotlight oh, yes. and stage you can have. And yet, he actually s- stepped into it in a, a really uh, important yeah, but you know what, Shira? I think that if he were a top contender for the presidency, you know, as things whittled down, they they would have gotten tougher, like mm. they did for Kamala, like they did for Biden, like they did for everyone involved. So as it would have whittled down, he would have gotten he would have gotten what we saw with this Z-Way thing. Wait, before we continue, we just have to also throw in this other awkward moment. Oh gosh, do you listen to rap music, by the way? Like, what what are you vibing to? I listened a lot to hip hop during like yeah. the uh, '90s and 2000s because what you know, like I, what I Andrew? I gotta know. Well, uh, it, it was Jay Z and um, a little bit of Nas. And What's your favorite Jay Z song? It's, I mean, he's a New Yorker. Yes. Um, what is my favorite Jay Z song? It's. It's uh yeah he could he couldn't figure there it out. There are so many Jay Z songs now. Listen, you I don't even just have say to... New York. Uh uh-uh, uh, Shara, don't you do that. <laughs> the thing is, whether Jay Z's your favorite rapper or not, or whether you listen to a lot of Jay Z or not, there's just so many you could have pulled from. But I get that he's trying to be political, but it this makes him seem even more dishonest. Like if that's your favorite. Like, if you listen to a lot of Jay-Z or a lot of hip-hop, as he framed it in the 90s and 2000s, you have go-to songs. Because I'm pretty sure you have a curated Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal list where you have your faves on there. So, yeah, this isn't a good look, but Z-Way does what she always does, which is thoroughly embarrass people. Yeah, and it it made him look very inauthentic. uh, And he's been, listen, he's been called out a lot and, and for more problematic things, like his recent comment around... Jerusalem and Mm -hmm. Palestine, he actually uh, tweeted along with, quote, the people of New York City, I'll always stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel who face down terrorism and persevere. Wow, people were not happy about that. But even with this and also calling out the teachers union in New York, um, poll after poll is confirming, and this is as of May 11th, that he is in the lead. So does any of that actually Who's he matter? against, Cuomo? Um, no, Andrew Yang. I'm saying, but who's Yang in the lead against, Cuomo? Um, he's in the lead against. There's are, there are a few others that are running. Okay, others. Okay. Yes, he's not the only. Uh, one maybe running. it's because he's the most recognizable name. I can't say because he's not the he's not the best on on a lot of things that I feel that he was at least running you know, for the presidential ticket on, it seems like, you know, he's flip-flopped on some things, which isn't uncommon in politics. There are 13 Democrat, uh, Democratic mayoral candidates that are running, which is a big amount. Um, and also, which this is crazy, and I just discovered Is he this. running on the Democratic ticket? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, of course. He was running as a Democrat. I mean, president. hey, you don't know. You never I, yeah. know. <laughs> so according to Senti Sojual, who co-founded the Asian American Feminist Collective, she says Andrew Yang's pro-cop, anti-public education, anti-union, big business-centric platform is not what New Yorkers need. She actually joined 790 grassroots Asian and Pacific Islander American organizers and politicians signing a letter April 21st that publicly opposes Yang's bid for mayor even though saying we need representation, we need, you know, the AAPI Hey, all community. representation ain't good representation, Shira. Okay. <laughs> That's what we're seeing for something like this. Anyway, let us know what you think about Yang's run for uh, 
mayor, not president, mayor. And if you think he'll win or and what you think about these latest moments at LGT Ooh. shows where you can find us on social media. Uh, but coming up, news that COVID originated in a lab. What we know next with an infectious diseases expert from Johns Hopkins. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, we're debunking the latest magnet vaccine hoax on TikTok in 10 minutes. Magnet? Magnet vaccine hoax, okay? Oh, yes, exactly. But we'll tell you more about that. First, let's get into something real and serious. Uh, according to a Wall Street Journal report, there was this previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence report, and it had information that three researchers from China's Wuhan Institute of Virology had to be hospitalized due to illness, and this is back in November 2019, with symptoms that are consistent with both COVID-19 and, of course, other common seasonal illnesses. But a lot of people are saying that this shows that um, COVID could have started in a lab. And joining us right now to break this all down is Dr. Amesh Adalja, who's an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here for this. Thanks for having me. So can you explain this latest information and how it could change how we look at where COVID came from? So as of now, we we don't have the ultimate origin story of how this virus made its way from bats into humans. And one of the things you have to think about any time there is an outbreak of a novel virus was, could this have been something that occurred because of a lab accident? Could someone in the lab have gotten infected and then started off, started an outbreak? And that's what people have been trying to figure out for some time. And the Chinese government hasn't been really transparent. But what this intelligence report suggests is that there were three people who worked at this Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is a, a world-renowned coronavirus research center, and they got ill at the same time, requiring hospitalization for something that looked like a respiratory virus. We know that this virus had been spreading at least in, since, since November. The Chinese government has admitted that the first cases were at least November 17th. They probably went before then. But this is kind of suggestive that there may have been, that, that there's more to this lab leak story than, than we've seen in the beginning and that it's not something you can completely dismiss out of hand. And I don't know that we'll ever know, but I think this is more just kind of adding more to the mystery of this or the origin. So in what ways does this change the conversation? Because I know that like from what I've seen online regarding this is, you know, there's been a lot of like right wing conspiracy theorists who have suggested that this was lab created from from, you know, the the get go, so to speak. But now that there's formidable evidence to really kind of, I guess, propel that notion, how does this change the conversation going forward? So the first thing is it's important to draw a distinction between lab created and a lab accident. There's really no evidence to my mind that this was created in the lab. This likely was a natural virus. And, and it was probably something that you would be thinking, studying. They, they definitely were studying precursors of it at the Wuhan, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So it doesn't show that this was created, but there always a, is an issue about biosafety. And we have had the original SARS. We've had lab-related infections in the United States. We've had cases of we've, we've had a lab lab acquired infection as well so i think that's the important distinction but what this does is it really shows that we need to have an independent investigation of those first days of this pandemic and understand what went on and we want more records of the biosafety from the wuhan institute of virology to understand were there any lab lapses what about these three individuals what was the diagnosis that they were ultimately given. Does there, do they have antibodies? Do they have antibodies against COVID-19? All of that's really important. And I think it really behooves the, the Chinese government to be transparent so that we can actually understand this because it is important to understand the origin. 
because we don't know if there's an intermediate animal between bats and humans that we need to be worried about because people may be interacting with it. So understanding that is really important. And if it was a lab accident, I think it's important that we understand how did biosafety lapses occur and how do we prevent that? Because we've got lots of labs working with other viruses as well. And we want to have best practices so that these types of things don't happen. Yeah, because I think there's this idea that it was this nefarious thing. Like it was created by uh, someone or a government who had uh, a reason or motivation to put it out there. I mean, there's all these theories, which obviously um, have not been confirmed at all. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, if anything, it's an accident. It would be an accident. Because you would expect if the Chinese government was going to release something, they would have an anecdote, an antidote ready or a vaccine ready. It took them some time to have all of that to go. So, I mean, and, and the toll that it took on their people, I think, if anything, we're talking about an accidental lab leak. Still, a natural infection is still probably more likely than a natural lab leak. But I think we have to go, we have to run this down. And the Chinese government's lack of transparency and their restriction of who is investigating and and special permission needed to, to do research on the origins of the virus. All of that needs to, to evaporate. Yeah. And who would do this? Would it be up to the World Health Organization? I know Anthony Fauci is now saying that he is not convinced it developed naturally. So who would then leave, lead this, these next steps as an open investigation? So the WHO has sent teams there, but they often kind of get snowed because the WHO is very beholden to its donors. And, and, and China holds a very big influence over the WHO. So we need an independent committee. Uh, of people who not only are not influenced by China, but also are not funded for doing research there. So some of the individuals that have been investigating this are on grants with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So there's a lot of conflict of interest there uh, that that I think is worrisome. So it has to be completely independent and has to be completely thorough. And then we need the Chinese government to be transparent. But I think in the end, we may never know the answer to this. All right. Well, that was Dr. Mish Adalja, who's an infectious diseases expert. Thanks again for being here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. And coming up on the show, one of the most uh, ridiculous COVID-19 conspiracy theories that even our producer Vanessa believed is being debunked on social media. <laughs> we tell you more about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So the latest hoax making the rounds on social media, because there are so many, it's even it's hard to 
keep up, is that receiving any of the vaccine suddenly can give you the ability to make magnets stick to your skin. People are calling it vaccine magnet. And I only know this because producer Vanessa is one of those folks who was sharing these conspiracies. What happened, Vanessa? It's not a conspiracy. (laughs) Oh, really? Even (laughs) after all this? My roommate, she was like, look... If I put this magnet where I got vaccinated, it, it gets stuck. And I saw it, like, with my own oh, eyes. Oh, we need a magnet in studio. No, we okay. try doing and it. And then I came here, and I was like, guys, Ashley told me, that's my roommate, that if you stick a magnet to your arm, it gets stuck. But we need, like, a light magnet. Haven't found a light magnet yet. Okay, well, I will try this when I get home, and Please. I will report back tomorrow, since I'll be here again tomorrow, because I have all different types of magnets on my refrigerator. Okay. And I just, I'm not buying this, but if it happens, I guess I'll have to put my foot in my mouth. Well, no. It's, it's being shown that it doesn't... You know, it, it maybe it works in some instances, but it's not the case. It's not like we they've put... Uh, a magnet in us or we have some sort of metal oh in us. People think we have things in us and that's this is what's happening. And, and that's going to that deter reaction. more people from getting the vaccine. They said, and this is according <laughs> to a um, Trinity College physics professor and Reuters was reporting about this, uh, we all contain minute amounts of iron that repels magnetism when combined with water. It's the basis for how magnetic resonance imaging works. I feel like I need a scientist to explain this. I, no, the, I believe that. that but. I believe that to be true. I remember in science class in high school, they we like crushed up like a bunch of Wheaties and put a magnet to it. And the iron, there's actual iron in the cereal that stuck to the magnet. There you go. But they said the amount of metal that a vaccine would have to contain to actually attract a magnet through skin is about a gram. And there's no way scientifically that there would be that much metal in a vaccine. Right. And if it, by the way, if you tried to inject that in you, you would have a lump along Ugh. with pretty intense pain. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. physically impossible, by the way, because the COVID vaccine how do you know doses. Vanessa, how do you know that your what? roommate was not playing a prank on you? She was not playing <laughs> yeah, but these a are, There prank. are videos all over TikTok of people sharing a, this. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that are like, whoa, look. And then she did it in real life. Like, I saw her. So, I don't know. Vaccine it gets stuck with some. It gets stuck on some people. But... Everyone get vaccinated. Don't listen to me. Oh, gosh, <laughs> well, This yes. does deter people from getting vaccinated. People think like, oh, there's something they're putting in our bodies. We're going to become aliens. Which like, I don't track under- us. I seriously, and maybe someone can break this down to me if you're listening. Like, maybe you can tweet me or something. I do not understand the hysteria around this vaccine. We have been getting vaccinated our entire lives people i do not Uh, understand the hysteria and the conspiracy theories birthed from this particular vaccine and i understand that this has been in a crazy time to be alive and you know the 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 virus and all of that but it's this is wild to me it's how quickly it came to be but even when people say that and listen i'm not dr amash adalja but (laughs) um but they've also put in the research over a decade to get to this point where then they could figure it all out and it wasn't overnight while six months is like historic yeah it wasn't they've been working on something like this for over a decade and all the work has come to this moment at any rate let us know what you think at lgt show on social media but coming up lady gaga's big celebration over the weekend we've got more details next on what's trending this hour let's go there with shira and ryan channel q that's right we are back this is shira ryan is out bashar Giselle is filling in for him Thanks for being here. 
Thank you for having me. Happy Monday, everyone. Yes, happy Monday. We are starting off strong, and I do love your t-shirt, Char. Thank you. It's for the Phenomenally campaign. Mina oh, Harris. Yes, I love it. Phenomenal woman you know in Mina the Harris. house. Come yes. on now. Yes. Phenomenal uh, woman. That is Kamala Harris's niece. Yeah, and yeah. There, there's a few different phenomenals, okay. but... This is the one that like was that sent one. to me. Yeah, oh, you got it sent to you. Okay. Uh, listen, it, okay. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> I want one of those. <laughs> well, coming up this hour, how Lady Gaga celebrated a decade of Born This Way over the weekend. I can't believe it's been a decade. That is in the Tea Report with Char in a moment. Uh, plus, what we learned from 60 Minutes report on transgender health care, and that's in 30 minutes as well. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio broke the news on school reopenings on MSNBC's Morning Joe this morning. Mika, it's good news. New York City Public Schools, one million kids will be back in their classroom in September, all in person, no remote. Wow. That's the news. I think parents, kids, everyone's been waiting for to know we're going to be back strong, ready, safe. COVID is plummeting in the... Okay, New York, all the parents can get excited. Yeah, you know, I also, I just, New York, I'm kind of side-eyeing because, you know, they also have, uh, they've implemented something where there's still going to be virtual learning on snow days. And I just think that's not right. Um, I think that every child deserves to have a snow day. Like, we all grew up oh, with snow yeah, that, days. Oh, my God. I didn't think of that. That's true. Snow days were the best. Yeah. We deserve to have, like, a surprise day off. Who wants to be glued to a computer? But, I mean, listen, everybody's getting vaccinated, and I don't know how I feel about this. I'm Luckily, I'm not a parent, so I don't really have an opinion. I think they're very happy. I, yeah. I, I waited. You know, the universe uh, gave me uh, the gift of not having children yet. Yeah, I'm telling you, I said, and I'm at the age where I could have had kids at this point. And there's a reason why I didn't meet the person, didn't have the child, because the universe knew the pandemic was happening. I would not be able to handle it. Well, you know, virtual (laughs) learning has been hard on everyone. So I'm sure this is a a step in the right direction. Definitely. Well, let's uh, get to this party that ended up going viral because of TikTok. It was originally posted actually last Wednesday as a meetup called Adrian's Kickback by this user, Adrian Lopez. It was intended to have people quote, pop out and celebrate my B-Day. The post went viral throughout the week and the hashtag was viewed more than 203 million times on the app. So gatherings formed Friday and Saturday in Huntington Beach near LA. Police had to step in. Listen to this. It led to 149 arrests Saturday night with charges including vandalism, firing dangerous illegal fireworks, failure to disperse, and a curfew violation. Yes, I'm reading this now. 121 adults and 28 juveniles. What in the Project X? I don't know if you remember that movie. (laughs) Quite iconic. One of my favorite movies. But what in the Project X is going on? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. To the point, and you think this is, oh, like, producer Vanessa was like, is this a big story? The New York Times wrote about it. That's how big this was. They kind of took over Huntington Beach. Like, my anxiety is peaking as I'm reading more and more about this story. Like, ugh. This makes me scared, speaking of children, about, like, having a teenager in the future. Hey, hey. Okay. That was what's trending this hour. So what's happening in Entertainment News, Char? Oh, my goodness. So Stephanie Germanata, a.k.a. Lady Gaga, just had a big, big, big weekend. Over the weekend, Born This Way turned 10 years old. Can wow. you believe that? I mean, we're getting old. I still remember when the song came out and everybody was talking about it. Oprah had her on the show. She performed it. It was everywhere. 
all about LGBTQ acceptance and stepping into your truth. And along with celebrating this decade of Born This Way, uh, Lady Gaga was given the key to the city of West Hollywood. Yes. Okay. Mayor Lindsay P. Horvath said uh, um, that through her activism in her music, Gaga has become a cultural icon for our generation. And I couldn't agree more. I love I love Gaga. Yeah, and it was an emotional moment. I do love Gaga. I must say, oh no, don't you? <laughs> don't you usually call me Gaga? I, do, I, I was yes. like, someone calls me Gaga. Yes, oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. But I, I think we have a clip of what she said, and then we'll talk about okay. you and Gaga. Thank you for this, Keith. You've been. I'm sure this will sound cheesy to some people, not to me, but it's okay. You've been the motherfucking key to my heart for a long time. Love that. Like, how can you not love this woman? But yes, for those listening, I do sometimes tease Shira because I think that sometimes her speaking voice mirrors Gaga's. It's just on certain words, certain inflections, and certain times. I don't know if you're, it's when you're more tired in the day, but I just hear Gaga. I'll take it. You know, you should hear my singing voice too. No, oh, girl, no, 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 thank you. No, you know. no, thank you. Actually, I have been told by people that will wrap up, like some people who have worked with her, that I don't remind them of Lady Gaga. I remind them of who? Uh, Steph- Stephanie. Stephanie, yeah. That they're like, you're like Stephanie. You're not Lady Gaga. You're like Stephanie. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> okay. We love that. Yes. Congratulations, Gaga. So cool. We need to play some Born This Way on the show today. Uh, but coming up on the show, why does caffeine actually make you feel better? What you need to know before you get that next cup of joe. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> oh, Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're getting into a convo about caffeine. You know, 85% of all U.S. adults have at least one caffeinated drink per day. 85%. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's why, you know, Starbucks makes so much money. But in a moment, we're also going to tell you how many cups a day is ideal, according to experts. Because all of us are wondering, am I drinking too much? I don't think anyone asks, am I drinking too little? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a direct reflection of like hustle culture, Mm. like the American way. You know, it's ingrained in us that rest is bad. You got to keep going, keep going, keep going, especially in a city like this. Okay, so we all have in some in some shape, way or form, some degree of, of caffeine, whether that shows up in tea or coffee or soda. People have their caffeine or the emergence of these energy drinks, which are next level. And by the way. I would never support people drinking that poison. (laughs) Uh, But that said, it's not just in the U.S., even though we're talking about American culture here. I feel like growing up in Montreal, which is very European, like I grew up with coffee culture, Europe, the European vibe, mm-hmm. where I grew up with the cafe au and cappuccinos and all that stuff. And for me, it's so part of waking up in the morning and having a croissant and like that whole lifestyle and experience. Big which, accent there. Yes, there you go. Hey. But so it's not as much about hustling in that sense. It's more about you get so used to having it. It's part of it's waking ritual. up. It's a ritual. Yeah. Yes. And rituals are so part of, uh, I think, the morning or our nighttime routine. But the question is, is caffeine good for you? And why does it maybe make you feel good? And the answer is, according to experts, it's obviously all about balance. Too much caffeine is not good for you. But actually, a, a, a balanced amount of caffeine is good for you. It helps with the gut which helps with your mental health, which helps with your sense of positivity and energy. Yeah, coffee can sometimes work as a laxative. 
<laughs> yes, we know that. Yes, yes. I it, mean, it really can. <laughs> It really can. You know, uh, this study published in Physiology and Behavior in 2017 found that when people who are stressed were given a low dose of caffeine, their cognitive function, basically how quickly and logically they could think, and this is from this article, by the way, in Bustle.com, it said it improved and their anxiety levels went down. Now, see, I think that this is a double-edged sword because I know people who have caffeine and their anxiety levels go up. That's what I'm talking about. So I feel like, you know, it's give and take. You really have to know your body and what works for you. That's what it boils down to. Um, Like for myself, I know that I enjoy a good cup of coffee, but I've become one of those girls who will have coffee at night as well, especially like if I'm out to eat. Like Really? Yes. If I have like a little dessert, I'll ask for a little cup of coffee too. Do you do decaf? No. Are you staying up late when you do that? <laughs> no, Char still gets sleep. So it also like it's it's weird. Like I have a, a Keurig at home, oh, and yes. I feel like the little K cups of coffee do nothing for me. They do nothing for me. That's because you need some espresso. Yes, I do love espresso. Espresso does it well. And you were saying about getting anxiety from coffee. Yes, yes, yes. Um, according to this, which I found this interesting, if you have a mood disorder, higher amounts of caffeine, like four cups a day a day, worsen your symptoms. Mm. So actually, if you have anxiety or depression, you know about it. Okay. That caffeine can worsen that. Yeah. So what are you supposed to do to counteract that? Like something to, I guess, calm your anxiety? Well, usually like tea. Something to slow Meditation. <laughs> yeah. Mindfulness. Listen, I like... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It all. I like coffee and tea. I like it all. I, yeah, coffee and tea. Tea has an, a different type of caffeine, which is why you don't get the jitters. Yeah, green tea is my favorite. Now, that's also something that ha- is caffeinated and helps with digestion and the gut and all of that. I typically have green tea after meals. Look at <laughs> I'm you. I'm weird. I'm weird. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like it helps process everything. <laughs> oh, only now. Wait till you get a bit older and you're going to be like staying up until the wee hours. Like, I why know. am I up? Well, I, I, why can't I go to bed? I should mention this is like for earlier meals. And the caffeine after dinner, like the coffee after dinner is very, very rare. But like with lunch, I'll have green tea. I love it. Hot. I love it for you. Hot. Wait, I want to share. Oh, well, producer you know Vanessa just came out of nowhere. I, just, I really want to share this. You know what I do? If I'm out and I'm having fun, but I'm really tired and I'm drinking, oh, yeah. I'll have a cocktail and coffee on the side. You know there's espresso martinis. 
Yeah, oh, but really delicious at the Soho House. I heard an espresso martini. It sounds like now that sounds like a laxative. If you ask me. <laughs> that sounds like uh, an interesting morning the next day or that night. So, but that's I, neat, Vanessa. I I love that idea. I did tease that we we're gonna tell you what experts say is the perfect amount of coffee a day, okay. and it is two cups. Two cups Whoa. is what they say is the good average. I know people having six a day. Yeah, that's not. And including most of us have mood disorders probably doesn't help. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, let us know about your caffeine intake at LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. But coming up, why 60 Minutes is getting dragged for their report on transgender health care. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 60 Minutes aired a story last night where iconic broadcaster Leslie Stahl reported on transgender health care, featuring those who regretted going through gender transition and healthcare professionals who said they support trans people's rights to gender affirming care, but think these procedures are sometimes undertaken without sufficient sufficient consideration. So we're going to play a clip from it and then we're going to bring in one of the gynecologists that was featured in this report. Long before the anti-trans legislation was introduced across the country, the challenges facing the transgender community were daunting. LGBTQ advocacy groups like GLAAD and the Human Rights Campaign are worried that highlighting the stories of detransitioners could make things worse. Now, Dr. Marcy Bowers, a gynecologist who has performed more than 2,000 transgender surgeries and who transitioned herself in the 1990s, joins us right now. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, it's nice to be here. So what do you think about how this report turned out? Does it help or hurt the trans community? Well, I think, you know, there were certainly some positives, and I I was the first... um, person interviewed on the story back in February. And so, uh, and uh, it, it turns out that they were a little bit surprised that the rate of detransition or regret was so low. And uh, I brought out two papers at the time that kind of um, set them back and uh, caused them, I think, to shift the tone of the story and start digging further. Uh, and then some of the anti-trans legislation uh, that some of the conservative states have been putting out, those, some of those bills came forward. And, um, and so uh, ultimately, uh, we, we kind of, and then there was also some protest, some um, objection to the tone of the story by GLAD and others who had gotten wind of it. Um, so the final story uh, it tried to cover a lot, and that's, Maybe if there was a weakness, that would be it. It's just there was so much covered. Um, and I do think there were some positives, like, uh, you know, it's the first time this, that, that people may be aware that there are actually standards for how gender transition progresses and how people should be treated. In other words, it's not just a spontaneous thing. It's not just mm-hmm. uh, surgery on demand like many other elective surgeries might be, or semi-elective, or even medically necessary surgeries. Um, so there are standards, and, and, and that was one of the points that came out. And so really what it came down to um, is that the, uh, this was about people receiving substandard medical care. 
Yeah, I noticed that. Hi, Dr. Bowers. This is Sharjah Cell. Um, I Hi, noticed uh, that, and I'm trans myself, so whoop whoop. But I noticed that uh, <laughs> in this report, because I did not see the, the tr- initial. Trans is, the, trans is the new 40, you know that. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. That, oh, yes. So. I've heard. But I yeah. noticed that Leslie kind of emphasized that around the people who um, were detransitioning, so to speak, it was solely rooted in health care and, and limited access to health care. Do you have a response to that talking point? Because I know, like, you know, like you just mentioned, like people are using um, trans identities as like, I always say a political smokescreen to, to, to kind of distract from the real issues at hand. And um, do you have anything to say in response to CBS's choice to air this segment featuring uh, people who, quote unquote, detransitioned as a direct result of lack of access to health care? Well, I mean, you know, they're they're finding different routes. I mean, there are claims that people are getting all their information on the Internet, which, you know, is not necessarily happening. Um, and there are people on the left who who um, insist that any sort of standards or any sort of um, any sort of um, milestones or intervals of treatment would be considered gatekeeping or barriers to care. And so this drives people, you know, into into sometimes promoting a very uh, radical kind of surgery on demand. My point, and this is unfortunately a point that was not brought up in any of the, uh, it was brought up in our personal hour and a half interview with Leslie, um, but that where does personal responsibility come in? I mean, if somebody tells you they're going to give you body changing hormones and they're going to offer it to take your breasts off, uh, wouldn't you want to do a little more period of soul searching and introspection mm-hmm. and more than just a visit or two? Mm-hmm. I love what you we- know, especially if you're not really certain and especially if it's, you know, the problem is that the, these diagnoses were kind of kind of grouped together and then, oh, you're gender dysphoric. Right. But if, if that's your solution to take my breasts off, I mean, I'm going to want to do a little more investigation. Listen, it speaks to what you said and what so many trans people, including myself, say how this is an evolution. You don't just wake up one morning like this is literally an evolution and a road to self-discovery. But listen, Dr. Bowers, we're going to keep you on. Uh, we'll be right back uh, talking about trans health care with Dr. Bowers right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour, Kevin Spacey has a new gig. His first since multiple sexual misconduct allegations. That's in the T-Report with Shar, who's filling in for Ryan in a moment. Oh, yes. Kevin is up to things. And I don't know how I feel about this. Actually, I do. Find out. Keep listening. And okay. Find out. I'm excited. <laughs> Plus, the future of the Housewives franchise. Could it be more gay? That's coming up. A lot of rumors and a lot of the other franchises or around the world announcing uh, more inclusivity, a bisexual one, this, that. And so it'll be interesting to see how the United States, how Andy Cohen does the United States. Exactly. Although it actually could have been The Bachelor. I'm mixing up these reality shows. I can't even keep up. (laughs) All right. That's in in a bit this hour. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Marjorie Taylor Greene is getting dragged after comparing wearing masks to being killed in the Holocaust. 
I mean, this is her on the show Real America's Voice, this far right show. Of course, show. of course. The only place that'll give her a yeah. platform. Where she's reacting to Nancy Pelosi saying that she wants to possibly separate the lawmakers who have gotten the vaccine and those who haven't. This woman is mentally ill. You know, we can look back in a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like second class citizens, so much so that they were put in trains and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. And this is exactly the type of abuse that Nancy Pelosi is talking about. Well, let's talk about the queen of the house of hypocrites on day one. Okay, sorry, we had to cut that off before listening to that. My ears were about to start bleeding. I mean, to compare masks to the Holocaust, really, and what Nancy Pelosi is doing to poor Marjorie was, Taylor Greene. I was just about to ask you, Shara, if you have the bandwidth. It's insulting. As, as a Jewish it's woman offensive. in studio with me over the microphone, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, there's barely any thoughts. It's, It's like... Yeah, it's offensive. The fact that anyone could compare a genocide yes. to wearing not just masks, but also being separated or if you get vaccinated, just things that could help protect people. What I will never understand is that these people, like, are they not aware that Donald and Melania got the vaccine back in December? I don't understand Republicans' aversion to the vaccine when their their king, so to speak, is fully vaccinated and hanging out in Mar-a-Lago. What is you all's problem? I mean, that they're scared they're going to end up becoming like the Jews in the Holocaust. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. For real. Like, don't even don't never compare what your privileged experience to anything that has happened to another group of people. Well, it's tacky. That and is, is, is Marjorie even Jewish? Is she Jewish? I don't think. No, I don't know. But I assume I feel not like because no one Jewish would ever compare right, anything to I the Holocaust. I feel like that is that that matters in context to this. Not that it would have made it any yeah, better. You, you could but say, it's like you're really talking out of school now, Marjorie. Oh, yeah. At least if if you're you your people have been through something, you could say you can reference it. It's not in good taste. It's not. In I good think taste, never but. drop the H card. No, and you know, and never drop the S card. That's while what I'm we're talking about. Especially if you're not of African descent, Black American descent. Like, don't you go there. That's really talking out of school. Exactly. Now, uh, United Airlines has announced their shot to fly sweepstakes. Uh, it's now open to if you're a Mileage Plus member. And if you show a vaccination record to the airline by June 22nd, they are giving away 30 pairs of tickets throughout June. It can be used for any class of service. So basically, if you show you've gotten your vaccine, you get a free ticket on United Airlines. Oh, wow. And well, you get a pair. Yes. 30 pairs of tickets. So that's mm-hmm. round trip. There you go. Wow. More incentives to get vaccines. And finally, before we get into the T-Report, I just want to mention New York's Stonewall Inn will kick off LGBTQ Pride Month with a star-studded streaming concert on June 1st to benefit the Stonewall Inn Gives Back Safe Spaces initiative featuring, I mean, big names, Billy Eichner, Chelsea Clinton, Margaret Cho, Nancy Pelosi, Julianne Moore, Fran Drescher, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Poehler, Deborah Messing, the list goes on and on. (laughs) Uh, The Safe Spaces Initiative identifies and designates entertainment venues and locations, stores, businesses, and other public venues that are safe for the LGBTQ plus community. So great stuff. Excited to celebrate all this pride. Yes. 
I love when when Stonewall is brought up. Like we need to tip our hat to Black and Brown trans women. Yes, and I, I hope the girls are involved. But anywho, oh yeah, well hopefully because I did mention some people that are not part of the community who are great <laughs> allies. We love allies. But um, and just a reference to the app called Lavender Book. I just want to give them a shout out because they're also they're like a Yelp for safe spaces for the Black LGBTQ plus community that we reported on last week. Got you really quick with my tea report. Oh, yeah, you have a moment. Okay, listen, Kevin Spacey, who's been living under a rock, is making a comeback. And it's being reported that he has booked his first film since um, the sexual assault allegations surfaced from nearly four years ago. Just to refresh everyone's memory, when the Me Too movement hit, there are about 20 men that came forward with allegations about Kevin Spacey. Now, this film is Italian, and it is titled The Man Who Drew God. It is directed by Franco Nero, and it will be shot in Italy. It'll also star Nero's wife. Now, um, Nero went on to tell ABC News, I'm very happy Kevin agreed to participate in my film. I consider him a great actor and can't wait to start the movie. Now, Spacey has not commented on this. However, Shira, what do you think about this redemption? You know, the the great American way. (laughs) I think it was inevitable, unfortunately, unless, you know... Uh, he obviously has no shame, and it, it, he's an actor. He has ego, and he was going to come back at a certain point. The question is, I don't know if I want to, if he's the problem here or the person who hired him. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to cape for abusers, but the optics of this are the true American way. That's all I'll say. You all can read between the lines with what I say, uh, but the, the optics of this are terrible, and yep. uh, yeah, I hope the film flops. I don't think Personally. it's going to get the best Rotten Tomatoes review. Probably. Well, he was also in another film um, a few years ago. I want to say in 2018 he appeared in a film, but it was abysmal. Oh, Billionaire Billionaire Boys Club in 2018. Oh, and yeah, it that was record a low gross yeah. of 618 from 11 theaters. Well, it doesn't say 16, 618 million. A thousand. Yeah. Dollars, which means a few people signed. Yeah, opening weekend, it didn't fare well. So I'm never here for abusers. Kevin Spacey needs to atone. There has not, has he even said anything? No, like, he, where is the accountability? Where he needs to atone for what, what, for these allegations? He just releases these cryptic videos here and there on his YouTube channel or he social media. He says you're not media. alone during the weird pandemic. stuff. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, okay, thank you, Shark. <sighs> Coming up, you know, we've been covering the cryptocurrency thing here on the show. So after this, we're going to get into can Bitcoin ever be sustainable as it reaches an all-time low once again? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up in 10 minutes, what you need to know before starting that joint ba- uh, bank account with your partner. We all need that help. We're I'm here not, for you. I'm not interested in that. Well, we're going to get some <laughs> advice in 10 minutes. But first, you know, let's talk about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. People don't realize this, but Bitcoin is not sustainable, not just in the monetary way, but in the energy way. Here to explain more is the co-founder of Blockchain Beach, Evan Greenberg. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, guys. How's it going? You know, it's good. I don't feel as stressed because I haven't put a lot of money into crypto, but I know a lot of people are really stressed right now because it's going down. But we're not going to necessarily talk about the numbers today. I think the the big question or what people don't realize is that crypto is ruining the environment. Can you explain why? Sure. So I think the phrase crypto is ruining the environment is, is a step too far, but I can definitely <laughs> dig into it a bit more. Uh, both sort of what's going on now and sort of 
you know, what we're looking at. Uh, so first of all, what's going on, there's a lot of reports coming out about how uh, the mining of Bitcoin, the process of creating new Bitcoin, is uh, contributing to climate change. Now, uh, first of all, some of those reports are uh, sort of based on older reports that have been debunked. So just be careful any, anything you're reading to really dig deeper into it. However, let's be clear, Bitcoin mining does take a lot of electricity. Uh, on one hand, you know, there's a lot of things that take a lot of electricity. You know, they say, oh, Bitcoin's using up as much electricity as this third world country. Well, so is, you know, a large suburb's Christmas lights is taking up a lot of electricity. Uh, more uh, related, the current financial system takes a lot of electricity. Visa processing billions of credit card transactions. Or how about the trillions of dollars the government is printing, cutting down those trees, printing them on paper? There's a lot that needs to be done for climate control. Uh, but looking forward, Bitcoin is actually trying to do things uh, to help out with that. Uh, one example of something that's been done is when oil companies, uh, when the price of oil is too low, oil companies, it's actually more expensive for them to ship it and sell it. So they just light it on fire. And that is a real bad thing for the environment. And, at one, and there's been some Bitcoin miners who have been searching out this, and they've been uh, turning the, like, the, the power, the energy that's created by this oil just being lit on fire and turning that into Bitcoin mining. And that's been uh, causing more of a carbon neutral uh, situation for those types of oil fields. A lot of the, the real bad coal mining that's being talked about is being done in China. And there was actually a, something really interesting. The China Communist Party uh, hinted at a, a crackdown on a lot of Bitcoin mining coming up. And a lot of that mining is moving out of China and hopefully the more renewable energy sources. Uh, our good friend Elon Musk has been critical of Bitcoin recently oh, yeah, uh, I heard about for this, this reason. Mm-hmm. But he did actually tweet today that he spoke with the North American Bitcoin miners and they committed to publish current and planned renewable usage and to ask miners worldwide to do so, potentially promising. So hopefully Elon's sort of criticism is just going to be something that propels people to use cheaper, more renewable forms of energy because the miners want the cheapest energy possible. And in the future, that's going to be renewable sources. How did you know, because Shar, when we were covering this, she's like. I mean, crypto, Bitcoin, mining, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I barely, like, I'm yeah, in this, I've, but I barely know I've sometimes. heard of it, but I'm not, like, in it. It feels just like a foreign language to me. So, Evan, what do you say to those who don't don't get it? Like, why is this important and how it can Im- impact them? Yeah. So, uh, when we're talking about the impact on the environment, on climate change, I do believe most of the people who are working on Bitcoin, who are mining Bitcoin, want to use it as a force for good to take some of the uh, worse energy uh, sucks out and turning that energy that's currently being wasted and turn it into something productive. Uh, so I think that the, the idea that Bitcoin, although it uses a lot of energy, it's using a lot of energy in a carbon neutral way. That's the direction we're heading towards. Okay, so people should care. And, and, and actually uh, think Elon Musk isn't always saying problematic things, and this is the one productive thing he said. <laughs> well, listen, I do love that, that you brought up how the energy is not, like it's comparable to maybe like that suburban Christmas light show and things like that. Because when I was reading up on this, I thought it was like really, really like abysmal. Like, I thought that cryptocurrency was about to cause a blackout. Greta Thunberg was going to be on the line, you know, shaking her fist at it. I just, 
overall, do you think that Bitcoin is the way of the future as far as when it comes to finances? Yeah, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, some of which don't even use this mining system, some of which it's more based on a system where the people who hold the most of that just keep it sort of an escrow and sort of vote and make decisions based on their ownership stake. That has its pros and cons as well. Not all are using uh, this sort of electricity-based system. Um, but to your point, you know, it, what, coming, what comes out makes it sound like it's going to end the world. And that's what they want you to think. I don't know exactly who they are, but there are definitely forces who, you know, have interests in legacy systems that don't want Bitcoin to be as successful because it would hurt their power or their wealth. And there's, you know, always some sort of report that Bitcoin's this or Bitcoin's that. Uh, and it, it causes, you know, fear, uncertainty and doubt, uh, also known as FUD in Bitcoin circles. Um, <laughs> FUD, fear, uncertainty, so, doubt. We're learning a lot. Um, yeah. Well, Evan so, Greenberg. Although there are concerns, yeah. there are concerns about, about Bitcoin's energy and the people involved in it are well aware and are working towards a more sustainable, renewable future. And hey, you never know. Elon might just be priming himself to release Tesla Bitcoin miners that are, you know, based on his technology exactly. for all we know. And he's just doing the big setup. But yeah, I think that when you read the really scary articles, those are those are put in place for uh, a negative reason. Mm. They're well, doing it on purpose. Thank you for breaking it down with us, yes, uh, for us. You. That was Evan Greenberg, co-founder of Blockchain Beach, blockchainbeach.com. For more, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. And coming up, uh, tips on how to deal with finances as a couple and why you might want to rethink sharing a bank account and crypto. <laughs> That's next. <laughs> Maybe not. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Finances in a relationship could be a sticky subject. So how should you approach things this day and age? Michelle Jones joins us, who's a chief external affairs officer at Money Management International, one of the largest nonprofit credit counseling agencies in the country. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Sharon Shar. Glad to be with you. Yes. Hi. So how has this discussion changed over time? Because I do think how you approach money within a relationship is very different than it was, you know, 10 years ago or even during our parents' time. Yeah, sure. You know, I think um, stigma and shame are two topics that can be so wrapped up in money. And those are topics that people are more willing to talk about than ever. So I think unpacking some of the issues around money and how those are so tied to relationships is something that people um, are more prepared to do today than they were maybe 10 or 20 years ago. There's so much that goes into this because, listen, I got to tell you, I come from a household where my mom, my grandma, my aunts always woman should have a little something to herself, you know, like a little, mm -hmm. a little bank account, a little money tucked away somewhere. And I know that money and financial issues are like, if I'm not mistaken, like the leading charge in divorces nowadays, like money is uncomfortable to talk about. How do you suggest couples come to the table and kind of, I guess, shatter some of that awkwardness that might come with this conversation about finances? Ooh, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I think you want to start early and often, and it's okay to keep it light. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to say, oh, this is awkward, and boy, am I feeling nervous about this, but I think this is important, and we should talk about it. So you don't even have to think about it as one gigantic conversation all mm -hmm. at once. 
-hmm. right? It's a step. It's a process. So start the conversation, see how it goes, and then you can figure out how to take it from there, which is the same with any other thing you do in a growing relationship. Yeah, I appreciate that because this is what's come up in my relationship. Definitely, like, I started bringing up my own uh, traumas a bit around and triggers Mm -hmm. around money, and I didn't wait till it blew up. I just start as it came up in with in the right moment, I would say, hey, you know what came up earlier today and I want to be honest with you and I'm not blaming it on you. I'm saying this is something I get to gr- grow around and like I could use your support and we like use those moments to talk about those things and like also heal it because money can um, be a huge trigger and it goes back to scarcity. Financial not, insecurity. Yeah, not having mm-hmm. enough, not being raised with that um that information Uh, but I guess when's a good time and let's start with this um to move into like a credit card or a joint account together oh yeah so let's start with a joint account first Um, you know for some people having a shared account is really important it's big it signifies something but we just hit on something it signifies something it's larger than that shared bank account So you want to be really clear on what the importance is for you in that so that you can articulate it and make sure that you're not misusing your financial situation to try to get something else that you need in the relationship. If what you're really looking for is a significant commitment and you feel like commingling money is it, is that how you want to be sure your partner is committed? I don't I don't think you want to put your money at risk to make sure you have that that commitment. Um, But I'll tell you when when there is open communication, when there's trust, and when there are shared goals. It can be a great idea to have a shared account. And I I like the transparency it brings. Um, But, you know, you can have those three things. You can have the shared goals. You can have trust. You can have communication. And there could still be some great reasons to not have a shared account. So it's either way you go, that's fine. It's up to you and your relationship. But whether or not you choose to have a joint account, that's not going to make or break your relationship, right? Yeah. It's the communication, the transparency, right. the trust that goes mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, understand why. And then do it as like a goal. Like if you're going to go on vacation, maybe you have a bank account around that goal where you put, both yes. put money into that versus it being like the one forever for your entire life. Like it's okay to have your own independence and individuality around uh, finances too. Uh, Michelle Jones, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Michelle Jones is, again, from Money Management International. I love that. Yeah. I could have kept talking to her. I know. We're sorry we had to end it. (laughs) Uh, Because coming up next, could a gay or lesbian housewives be coming to the franchise? What Andy Cohen hinted at next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So the real question is, on everyone's minds... Gay or lesbian housewives, are we ready for it? Should they have already created one? What is Andy Cohen waiting for? Well, I mean, it's 2021, so we I think he's sticking to the original format for a reason, because you can't stray too far from what garnered your initial success, in my opinion. Um, however, he is the mastermind, and recently he went on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Garcelle Beauvais. You know she's an actress. Oh, yeah. Garcelle Beauvais. He went on her podcast on Thursday and revealed details about diversity on the franchise. Now, in the interview, uh, the podcast is titled Going to Bed with Garcelle. Beauvais asked Cohen, um, have you ever thought about having a gay franchise? 
He said, we've talked about that. Mm. It's something that we were really into many years ago. We've almost cast several lesbians. That's the thing is you don't need to have an entire gay show just to feature. Like there's a lot of couples in any of these cities that are gay. Like, isn't that weird that they don't have one? Yeah, it is. Only straight couples? What I will say is that, or or cis, because we could also, you know, just in case some trans women want to hop on. What I will say is I don't see it, like, I don't see gay men really doing Housewives. I don't see Andy veering into that just yet. But I could totally see, like, an Ellen Portia situation. Not those two in particular, but that type of situation. So you're telling me none of the real Housewives of Beverly Hills have any, like, Gay couple friends that would love, like men that would love to be on something but I don't, like this. But I don't know if Andy would, would do that. I mean, imagine the controversy that could come from that. The housewives sometimes get into physical art- altercations. There's a lot of arguing. And I don't know if for optics purposes that would work if you threw a man in the bunch with all these women. Oh, I mean, we when love it comes a good to- sassy fight. What I'm saying, but when it comes to now, hold on now, because that could be treading into stereotype well, that's the thing. Yes, territory. Yes. But you know, but like but, you are bringing up something like th- th- this is something that's safe for them. They know how it works. Yes, they know how it goes down. It's the formula. But yeah, then what about any couples that are lesbians? Yeah, like it just they doesn't ha- make they sense. Ex- they exist in any franchise. The the New York girls could have one. Atlanta could have one or two. Like I see it happening, especially with the way that our television program is is going. And I know Andy is the mastermind behind this franchise. He doesn't want it to go stale. So I definitely see a, a lesbian couple uh, being a part of some one of the franchises cast soon. Yeah, he. Also said in this interview, he revealed that they almost cast a gay man as the first gay housewife. I saw, yeah, no, I did see that. I did see that. He said, I think the answer is we've been open to it. We almost cast a guy on Real Housewives of New Jersey who is Dina Manzo's brother. And Caroline's brother is the first gay housewife. And this was in 2008 or nine. According to him, I mean, gay men have they do deserve gay men do deserve their rightful place in housewives uh, territory, I should say, because they've been used as uh, as as sidekicks this entire time. And that's not fair. And that's not right. Like almost like accessories, you know. They play there. When I think about Atlanta, there was Dwight, there was Miss Lawrence, there was Derek J. There, they, Atlanta has had their fair share of gay characters, uh, but you got to be really careful with things like that. Like I said, optics for an official cast member, but also no one wants to be the sidekick. No one wants to be looked at as an accessory or another little purse charm because a lot of these housewives do treat the gay men in their lives as disposable and just like a yes queen. Shout out to Ryan. Yes, like you're my sidekick. Um, so. Yeah, then that which is why I'm surprised a lesbian couple hasn't happened, which I'm sure they're gonna look out for that very soon. But actually, and just a shout out to the Bachelorette in Australia, who has uh, announced that the first bisexual Bachelorette. So Australia is at least doing something. Now I wonder why they didn't do the Bachelor. You get because th- this this like optics, you know, a lot of people fantasize about women being bisexual, you know, like the guys and stuff. But yeah, her name is Brooke Blurden and she's 26. And so I don't watch The Bachelor, never seen an episode. I tried to watch when we had The Black Bachelor, tried to watch when we had The Black Bachelorette. It's just it's not my type of TV. I like my dating competition shows to be a little bit more raggedy, like Flavor of Love. <laughs> 
Like, I need that type of nonsense. <laughs> okay, let us know what you think. Is it time that we have a Gay Housewives franchise or at least a couple in there at LGT Show on social media? Slide into our DMs, please. We'd love to hear from you. But coming up, the details around Vegas's reopening. Those details next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, yes queen. queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> oh, look at that. We got a tr- trifecta. So this one goes to Elliot Page showing off his chest and abs, let me tell you, for days Ooh. in a picture posted to his Instagram account. And it's his first shirtless post since coming out in December as transgender. And he couldn't be more happy. You could see it from the photo. He wrote in the caption, trans BB's first swim trunks. And the post already has like more than 1.2 million likes in under three hours. So probably even more than that at this point. Oh, yes, absolutely. And he added hashtags trans joy, trans is beautiful. And yes, everyone is saying abs for days, as I just said, including BuzzFeed. And he looks really good. I'm so, so, so happy for him. I have to say the interview that he did on Apple TV Plus for Mm. Oprah's conversation is one of the most profound interviews I've seen in a long time. I was moved to tears and I did not go into it expecting to be. I went into it like, let me see what Elliot talking about, you know, like that type. But when I tell you I was moved to it is one of the most just phenomenal interview. I mean, Oprah's so good at what she does. Of course. But Elliot's transparency, Elliot's vulnerability, mm, Elliot's yeah. raw honesty. Just, if you have not watched that interview, I suggest that you get to your Apple TV Plus and check out Oprah Conversations with Elliot Page. It that, premiered a few months ago. I got chills as you said that. And we featured it, obviously, on our show and the clip. But I definitely need to check out the entire, the entire interview. It's 40 minutes, commercial yeah. free. It, it's but it's it's really it's riveting. It's so well done, and so I'm just so like my heart just beams for Elliot because, uh, like we were talking with Dr. Bowers about transness is an evolution, mm, and yeah. we need to debunk what a lot of people may think. Like you know, you just wake up one morning and th- I think I'm going to start hormone replacement therapy and get some breast implants and go about my like this is it, and it sometimes it's grueling. It's 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 a journey of self discovery that every human goes through. It's just to the umpteenth level because you're trans and you have to sift through some things and figure some things out. And being trans, no matter where you live. Um, in the world is not easy. And so uh, even Elliot, with all of his status and his money and his Hollywood lifestyle, just knowing that, you know, we're all threaded together through an experience. And so, yeah, I'm so happy for him. Beautifully said, Char. So happy for him. Well, that all gets a big yes, queen of the day. (laughs) Great way to start our week, actually. And that does it for our show. But we are back tomorrow. Char is back, too. Love yes. having you here. My we're last gonna... day for a minute. Oh, for a minute. Ah, oh, you'll for be back. For a minute. For a minute. Uh, we're going to be talking about, is it the c- cicadas? <laughs> yes, we'll Those be talking bugs. about cicadas <laughs> tomorrow. Oof. Because I don't know why we should be worried, but I think the headlines are saying that we should. <laughs> Plus, uh, what is the best day of the week to take a mental health day off of work? That is tomorrow, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live here on Channel Q. If you miss any of our shows, we have a podcast. Go to the Odyssey app. Fine, let's go there. It's that easy. And now uh, stick around for Loveline, where Dr. Chris is covering communication styles. That's next. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.